Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Man, it is so good to see you guys here live and to have everyone worshiping with us online as well. And uh, really encouraged about that. Well, if, uh, if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles up, if you're here or in your living rooms with us, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'll get there in just a bit. <clears throat> but today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And man, it's been encouraging, really encouraging this, this, uh, this Christmas time. We've needed this re-up with Jesus, pressing into Him and him coming into the world and pressing into us. We, we've needed that. And one of the things I felt like that we were supposed to do today, I was, I was going to go a few different directions, but I, I don't know what it even says on the, on, on the, um, you know, on the app. But the title I'm going with is Living Into God's Story. And we're going to be talking about love and faithfulness and the way God loves us. But we, we are a story people. Just straight up, man. We love stories. And we really, whether we know it or not, we orient life to stories. In fact, our values flow from the stories that we see ourselves a part of. We're going to order our time and money according to the story that we connect with. And so it's really important that we not just float, but that we tell the story of God over and over. We will, if we are left, if we don't tell, if we don't speak to ourselves, I've got a friend who's got a little book that says, you're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. And if we don't speak to ourselves the true story, we will be co-opted into some other story, sucked into some other story of whatever. You know, I mean, it could be all kinds of craziness. And there's a lot of stories out there. And even the, I, was, I was reading a book this past week called The Stories We Tell Ourselves. And um, one of the points he was making is that TV and movies, there's a longing for this story that I'm going to be talking about today. And, and a lot of them, a lot of the stories that we really like are echoes of God's story of love for us, you know. And so Advent then is the great story of God coming to us to fulfill his promise to return and to rescue and to redeem, and to restore, and to renew. It's all of that, right? It's just a good story. And so the stories we tell ourselves are shaping us right now. That's what's happening. We're being shaped by our stories all the time. Sometimes it's a true story, and sometimes the story isn't true. And that's where we have to just check our hearts. And Am I believing the truth? Am I believing a lie and renounce the lies and embrace the truth? That's a lot of what we do in our, in our inner heart kind of ministry in, in uh, listening prayer. And so what happens in our stories is like Adam and Eve, we find ourselves at a crossroads and it can, it's the, the, the choice that we face over and over again is the choice to choose God and his way or our own way, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where we're in charge. And it just, I know all around this room and online with us right now that we know what it is to feel the, the pain, the sting of choosing our, our, our own way and going, doggone it. 
man, I need God to help me live as a real human being the way God intended. And so, you know, and it, and then life itself is just a series of all of these choices. Standing at the crossroads again and again and again. So here's how I'm going to pull you in. Just think about the first job you had. Your first job you ever had. Maybe you haven't had it yet. You know, we've got young guys in the room too. But uh, the first job you ever had. Now, did it go well? Did you always make the right choices? Did you mess up any along the way? Did you learn anything from those, those, uh, those opportunities that you had? I, I was probably employed too soon. Actually, I was, I was making money as a 12-year-old kid mowing yards, had too much money, and got in trouble. Um, my first outside-of-the-house job was uh, eighth grade, and I, was, I got the job because there was a 16-year-old uh, that was, and he kind of pulled me in, but we were just a bunch of, we were a couple knuckleheads, man, and we had the job too soon. I made some dumb choices in that job. I just, I just crossroads again and again and again. Uh, the next year, ninth grade, I had a job all summer working concrete and uh, laying foundations for houses, doing sidewalks, working a 50-pound jitterbug to knock the stuff down in the concrete. Got a, Conan builds roads. He knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, I mean, there's all different kinds of vocations out there. But for me, I learned that summer. I was like, you know, dad and mom, I went home one day, I said, dad and mom, I've decided I'm going to go to college. <laughs> you know, and, I, and all the jobs are valid. We have all different kinds of callings and vocations in the room and online. But I was just like, I, I don't know if I can do this, you know. And even the guys that were there with me were, were coaching me. Hey, you probably need to go to school. That's, that's probably what's, <laughs> you know, on your life there. And so I went to school. And, and even though, you know, standing at the crossroads, again, just going to school doesn't mean you're going to make the right choices. I made all kinds of terrible choices in school. But, you know, then one time my freshman year, here's another crossroads moment. Some of you guys may not know this story, but when I was a freshman at North Texas, I was playing guitar and clubs, the restaurants and stuff, and that's making money on the side. And I had an opportunity uh, to uh, do a tryout at Lipscomb University in Nashville. They had a prom promotional group called Winsong. And so I drove up, did the 12-hour drive up to Nashville, and did the tryout. It actually wasn't like that. It was more poppy kind of. And uh, so I did the tryout, and they gave me, they, they made the offer, full-ride scholarship there in Nashville to Lipscomb University. But that was a cross in the roads for me because I was already participating in another story where I was in love with this, this girl right here. Almost, that was, gosh, that, that would have been a long time ago. That was a long, long time ago. And uh, so I was in that story and, I, and I, I knew that if I went the Nashville route, that, that probably wasn't going to work out for us, you know, as freshmen and both as freshmen in college. And so, you know, that was a crossroads. And then there was another, I was working on a finance degree, another crossroads in college. I had an opportunity to go and be a runner on the Chicago, on the floor of the Chicago Board of Exchange. My degrees in finance and investments. And that whole lifestyle, though, is very anxiety, stressful, and all of the coping mechanisms that go with that kind of lifestyle. And and I was, by God's grace, I made a choice for me to 
to, it was not to do that, not to go to Chicago. And, and I still got into all kinds of problems and trouble and stuff and ultimately met Jesus in such a life-giving, powerful way. And it was, it reordered life for me. It was a crossroads yet again. And I knew that from that point on, I wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I wanted to walk with Him and I wanted to live for Him. And we all have stories. We all have these stories. You can tell these stories and like, I didn't know that about you. And, or I, I didn't know that. And that encourages me. We all have these stories. And it's stories where our lives intersect with others, where they intersect with God and their tales of victory and success and their tales of failure. And I blew it in tears and pain and sadness and broken relationships and healed relationships and forgiveness. And this is the stuff of life, right? And it's the stuff of the kingdom of God. And here we go. Advent, then, the main thing, putting it in one sentence today, is that Advent is an invitation to remember God's story. To remember God's story and to practice God's story in our daily lives. So so we want to remember this story. We want to so remember God's story that we actually practice it. We don't just, we're not just living our lives, the American dream or whatever, insulting a little bit of Jesus along the way. We're actually going to reorient life, life itself to Jesus Christ, to God's story. Again, get a good look at me. I am being changed. I'm being changed. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. And I don't look like I used to look got these bags here. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I want to look like Jesus. I want to be conformed to the, the image of Christ. So let's open our Bibles up. First, first piece here is to remember the story. It doesn't, our salvation, what God's doing for us does not just happen in a vacuum. Jesus doesn't just come for your personal salvation. There's so much more going on in this story than just you going to heaven one day. It's a huge, wonderful story. The train's been moving for thousands of years, and we've hopped onto a moving train that is for God's glory and the way He is redeeming not just us personally, but the entire cosmos, the entire creation, the entire world. So let's read how you uh, just kind of jump into the story here in Luke 1 as the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Be looking for where's the story in this? What's the story connect? And then we're going to read about Zechariah and be looking. What are the story connects to the ancient past, this ancient story? So here we go. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Yeah, and let's stand up. Right, this is going to be a maybe a two or three minute stand up here to read both of these passages for the reading of God's word. If you would even honor the Lord standing up at home or where you're at as well. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. So all kinds of allusions to the story there, especially the king stuff. We'll come back to it. Now down to Zechariah's song. So Mary, she's like, woo, sings the song, my soul glorifies the Lord. And then John the Baptist is born. And then Zechariah, who had been mute, is now able to speak. And this is the first thing that he says. He prophesies. Chapter 1, verse 67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he said this, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to his father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. You guys have a seat. Amen. All kinds of beautiful, wonderful allusions to the ancient story just packed in there. Those very last words that Zechariah prophesied are actually a prophetic word that flows right out of Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. The sun will rise from heaven, the sun of righteousness, and healing will be in the beams of the sun's rays. Isn't that great? That's the, that's the way the Old Testament ends. It's with a prophecy about the coming of the Son of God, who is the Son, not just the Son, S-U-N, but the Son, S-O-N, of righteousness and healing is in the beams of His rays as He shines on us. And so it's this ancient story uh, with covenants and promises and all the drama of broken humanity. All through this story, that's what's going on. And we understand Israel's story when we look through the lens of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the lens that helps us to understand all of this. This crazy, wonderful, wild story about God creating us in love. And that's just, I'm just going to pause right there because everybody needs to hear that. Everybody needs to hear that, well, first of all, we were created in love. Just everybody needs to know that we're loved. Just You don't actually ever get tired of hearing it. You need to know it for your identity, for living out life not in a performance kind of mode of seeking approval from other people all of the time. It's really true. Uh, I heard a story yesterday. I'm listening to a book called Tempered Resilience. And um, 
It was about some famous, there's a nun who's like a, a triathlon monster, and she's called the Iron Nun. <laughs> she's like, she holds all these records. She's 82 or 85 now, just broke the, another record. Like, triathlons are long and arduous affairs. Um, that's like 120 miles of bike riding, two and a half miles of swimming, and a marathon. You know, none, <laughs> none, lady, and and she, and basically she was speaking at this some triathlon somewhere at a breakfast on the day before, and she she told them and said, first of all, you need to know that you were conceived in love by God, and just we need to hear that, you know, and whether we're running a race physically or running the race of life, we need to hear that word. So God conceived us in love, and even though there was a fall in the garden, God keeps coming to us with these promises. He comes to this, this pagan guy named Abram, and he calls him out of Babylon and into the promised land, which becomes important in the story later, right? He makes a promise to him, a covenant, and says, I'm going to bless you and your family, and through your family, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth, and I want you to walk with me. I want you to walk in covenant with me. Now, Abraham's family breaks that covenant. It's a bummer, but he, they, they break that covenant. God comes again to Israel, and he makes a covenant promise to them. So I want to bless you guys. I'm going to give you these laws, and I'm going to set you apart, and you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. And, and the people are like, we'll do it. And they don't. They blow it. And then God comes to David and makes him a promise through your family, through your, you're going to have a son and he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to reign forever and ever. Incredible promise. He's going to bring for, forgiveness of sins to the people. And it's, it's incredible. But David and the kings that followed him, they break the promise. They break, we break our side of the promise. But here's the good news. God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. God is faithful to his promises even when we're unfaithful. And you can't get it together enough and you can't blow it enough for God not to love you and to fulfill his promise to you. It's, it's just, it's incredibly good news. So sin, idolatry happens, all that stuff happens in the story, and the people are sent into exile. They're, Israel's literally sent back into Babylon, and they're longing for exile. I mean, even when they start trickling back into the land, they're still longing for exile because they're still under the thumb of oppressive regimes. They're still, they, they're back in the land, but they don't feel like they've been returned, really, from exile. And so the story goes on. God fulfills the promise. I mean, even when the even when Adam and Eve blow it right there in the garden, the very first thing God says to them is, I'm going to redeem you. It's like there in Genesis 3.15, the technical theological term is the proto-euangelion. It's that ahead of time pronouncement of the gospel that there's going to, this serpent, he's going to bite your heel, but you're going to crush his head. And that's what Jesus does in, in, the, in the cross. So it's powerful. These covenants are promises that God is going to keep. He's faithful even when we're not. And the promise of blessing all the nations, He's going to keep that promise. The promise of having a people uh, that are His people and that He will be their God, He's going to keep that promise. 
And the promise of having a king on the throne who brings forgiveness of sin and rules and reigns forever and ever, he's going to keep that promise. That's what God's going to do. It's a beautiful, wonderful, and Jesus is the key to understanding this whole thing. Jesus becomes the, the overlap between God and humanity, between God's promises and even man's inability to fulfill our side of the covenant. Jesus comes and says, yes, God. Jesus comes and takes the judgment. Jesus comes and fulfills the promise. Jesus comes and does what we could never do, does what Israel couldn't do, does what humanity couldn't do, Jesus does it. He is the overlap between heaven and earth, between God and humanity. That's who Jesus is. It's beautiful. So it starts taking shape in him. God's self-sacrificing, other-centered, agape, giving, cross-like looking love takes shape in the person of Jesus Christ. It takes shape, the relationship between God and humanity, between the healing that we so desperately need, the wholeness, the forgiveness that we need, the return from exile out of wandering in the wilderness and into the promised land. This is all a part of the story that we are a part of, grafted in as Gentiles into this awesome story of Israel because of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes on the scene there in Matthew 26 on the night before he dies on the cross and he eats the Passover with his disciples and says, now this cup that we're drinking is the new, the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And when you drink this cup from now on, we've remembered the Passover one way, but from now on, remember me. It's just, It's pretty, it's just amazing. And when you break this bread, remember that my body was broken for you. When you drink this cup, remember that my blood was shed for you for forgiveness of sins and healing and wholeness. He comes and he gives us not a book, as important as this book is, he gives us a meal and says, eat this meal and remember me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, it's really powerful. What Israel couldn't do because of sin and brokenness, Jesus does as the true light for the Gentiles. He fulfills all those promises that were made. You know, he fulfills the promise to be a light for the Gentiles, for the nations, and to to keep the law, and to fulfill the prophets, and to be the son who reigns on the throne of David forever and ever. And now we are called to live our lives in connection to that story. Isn't that great? To remember the story of God. Oh, there's so much more you can say. There's so many other ways and things and aspects and things to bring out. But I'm just giving us an overview. There's a story there that we are to remember. And it's important that we remember. In fact, when the Bible was written, You know, the first two places, you may not know this, but the first two times it's talked about why it was written is Exodus 17, to write this down because, and Exodus 24, write this down because. In both of those instances, uh, one is after the Israelites have defeated uh, the the Amalekites, and remember the, the, the battle where Aaron holds up Moses' arms? And her holds up Moses' arms. And while his arms are up, they win the battle. When they're down, they lose. And so they had to come up. His arms are getting tired. So they hold up his arms for the battle. And so then God tells Moses, write this down so that the people will remember that I rescued them and that I redeemed them. 
And then in Exodus 24, they have the covenant there and they, they, they write in the book of the covenant these things, these laws, so that the people will remember they kill some bulls and Moses gets some hyssop, dips it in the blood, and then sprinkles it on the people. It's just a bizarre scene, you know, but it's got deep meaning that one day we're going to be covered by the blood of the Lamb and be redeemed. And the people say, will you do it? And they say, we'll do it, but they blow it. And then Jesus comes and he makes things right. So there's a, there's a practical, there's a remembering of that story that's very important. But then it's not just, we just don't just remember it. We actually live into it. We practice it. And that's the second piece. I, I said practice because nobody does it perfect. I don't do it perfect. I, you know, it, it's, it's experimental living into the story is the way uh, George Mueller used to say, experimental communion in the mornings with the Lord. It's something you practice. And, and nobody gets it down. Nobody does it perfect. And so practice. We live into it. We rehearse it. We meditate on it. We chew on it. Like beef jerky. You know, you just chew it. Every now and then you get a little bit down in you. You know, that's what Madame Guyon used to say it. She said, chew on the word. Chew on the story. And if you will, like a savory piece of meat, swallow it. Isn't that good? So that's what we want to do with God's word, with God's story. We're living in this time where we need to remember and to practice. I, you know, okay, 2020. Here we, we're almost at the end. We got one more Sunday. But I mean, do we need to remember the story of God and put it into practice this year? You know, I mean, if our if our values grow out of the story that we're telling, and this is where we're going at the beginning of next year, we feel like the Lord's saying emphasize values. So we've got to tell this story, this kind of lead up into even into next year. The the story that we're part of, it's huge because we got other competing stories, pandemic, ruin, chaos. It's all over. Nothing good, bad, pandemic, racial tensions. It's bad. It's just, oh, it's a hard, hard time. Work, economy, politics. At least that was good. <laughs> Come on. Well, work with me here. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, oh, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, safety vouch. But true, right? I mean, how are we going to live through this time? And it's getting, it's harder for us to remember. It, it, and, it, and yet there's a call for us to remember. When you get pulled into other stories, and this is just the way it's going to be, is it ever going to be the way it was? Well, maybe not the way it was, but we have to remember the big story because we can adapt. And we can go through all kinds of trials and hard things when we know the story that we're a part of. We really can so we remember the story. We remember the story. We remember the story. This is who I am. This is who I'm called to be. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. I'm a part of that story. I'm a part of that story. And I live into that story. It helps me navigate the future. And so, again, it's one of the reasons that we read the Bible. Read it more than you've been reading it. Just as an exhortation. 
Just We need to orient our lives to this story. Over and over again, you know, 1,600 years, 40 different authors, all of that, just with one, just it's complex, but it really is one theme that finds its climax in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is the key for understanding this whole thing. He is God revealing himself, his own, his own revelation. That's why it's key. We translate the Bible, we translate God, the doctrine of God, through the lens of God's own self-revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. Not our own ideas. We're looking, what Jesus, how did you reveal God? And he's the key, the absolute hermeneutical bottom line for understanding God. So, you know, and when I when I read the story and when I remember the story and when I make it my goal to practice and to live into that story, then that's going to shape my identity, my values, my vision for life, all of those things that I'm just just hitting on there. I'm a disciple and I'm a part of a people. I'm not disconnected from a people. We're going to be talking about this this next year. It's hard. It's been hard this year to find our identity in, in being connected as a people. And yet we've got to keep coming back to that because it's plan A in the story that God has a people, that Jesus has a body, a one body people, a one table people, a one worldwide multi-ethnic family people that are together and one in Christ. And that's going to shape our endurance. It's going to shape our perseverance it's going to shape what we're willing to suffer for and even what we're willing to die for. I know that's, that's, that's hard, but it's, it's like it shapes us. And so this final week of Advent is about God's love and faithfulness to the promises and to the covenant that He's made and to the story that He has given us. And that's why we're able, that's why there is these, these weeks of Advent. We talked about there's peace in the mess because God's of, because of God's love and faithfulness. There's hope for the future because of God's faithfulness to his promises. Last week, there's joy to the world because of God's love and faithfulness. And this week, we're going to live into this promise, live into this story. We're going to remember it and practice it because of God's love and faithfulness. In fact, you could even just go do a study. I almost called this sermon Love and Faithfulness. I mean, just look at the verses where love and faithfulness are together. It's fascinating. I, I am the Lord, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Like, it's like who he is. It's his identity. It's, it's just rich, good. And, and here's where this just lands on the ground. I, I want to just, like, we all have these stories, and what I want to highlight is that when we order life to God's story, it, uh, it pulls us. The Holy Spirit's leading us. He's empowering us. He's gifting us. He's, he's, uh, that fruit's coming out in us. But it's, it's because we're oriented to a story. We're oriented to a story where heaven's coming to earth in the end, and in heaven, there's, there's no unforgiveness. So we start practicing forgiveness now. There's no sickness. So we start practicing healing and wholeness now. We start, there, there's no turning away from each other. So we start turning toward each other now. Does that make sense? I, I, I was just in several different 
it's been stressful this year just on on pastors and everybody but i i just i've I've been working with some different churches that you know that we love and care for and and uh, and one meeting i was in this past week it was beautiful i mean it was like the kingdom of god it was a zoom meeting but it was with a couple of families that had been estranged from each other and uh there had been some hurts and some wounds anybody ever have hurts and wounds in relationships so everybody can identify with this but you know what here's the thing that not everybody thinks about when you've been hurt or wounded you don't necessarily think the other guys were trying to do the best they could but in this situation both families were trying to do the very best they could they were in an unbelievably difficult situation because of the pandemic and everything else related to 2020 and both people love god Both people are dedicated, radical followers of Jesus, and yet they still hurt each other. And there's pain and wounds, and it was so intense at one point, they couldn't eat, like, we can't, let's just take a break for a few months, and let's come back to this. And that's what I was brought into, and and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this. I'm watching the love, the humility, the grace being given, the honesty about saying where the hurts really were and what the values were that, that were violated in those hurts be happening, and then forgiveness being offered, forgiveness being received. And I'm literally in tears at one point just going, this is the kingdom of God. This is, and, and I told them at one point, I said, you guys are living into the story of God. That's what you're doing. You're, they're not going through the suffering of that meeting. People don't do that stuff. They just write each other off. And they think the worst. Yeah. And, 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 but again, you guys, everybody's probably trying to do the best they can do. Even when you totally think they just, they were just trying to stab a knife in my neck. I, you know, just, they probably weren't. Just in general. And especially not in the church. And there, there's so many wounds. And I, 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 I've heard so many stories. I, I get it. But this story is empowering. I mean, I was, it was literally holy ground watching what God was doing in healing and mending and restoring. And it's because they were connected to the story. Does that make sense? So all of us, it's not just about wounds and hurts, but it's all of the other. I mean, we could go on practically for days, whether it's racial tension or different views about masks or how to navigate COVID or all of these different things. Like we need to give each other the grace of walking in the story together, loving and thinking the best, walking in the unity that God actually already has given us. You know, the, the, the exhortation for unity is to keep it. Make every effort to keep it. Don't manufacture it. You're in the spirit together. You're part of the same family. And so we, we keep this, what he's given. And there's going to be hurts. There's going to be hard seasons. There's going to be times where we stand at the crossroads in our own lives, just like I've done so many times. Am I going to go the way of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what I think? And Jamie's got the answer for this. Or am I going to again bow my knee to Jesus and say, you're the God who knows how to live the human life. I can't do this humanity thing on my own. I need your grace. I need your help. I need your empowerment. So that's, that's the way we order life. 
It's to trusting in God. It's trusting in His authority. It's trusting in His story to be lived out in our lives. It is a new way and the true way of being human, like He's called us to do and to be. Sound sound good? Um, Lord, help us to do it, to live it out. Y'all stand up. All right. Remember God's story. Put it into practice in our daily lives. And uh, Asher, come on up, man. And uh, so we're going to just respond to the Lord. You can even stand up there in your homes if you, if you would. That'll probably help you just focus here. Because we just what we want to do, the reason we do this time really is just to respond in our hearts. Lord, how do you want to calibrate me this morning to the story of God? What do I need to remember today in the midst of all that we're going in, all that we're going through? This this message, you guys, it's not just about a few of us. It's about all of us. It's about me and Kim. It's about Micah. It's about Ben and Charlotte. It's about Michael and Aaron. Just on, on around the room. It's about all of us. It's about everybody at home. It's about all of us. We stand at the crossroads. All of us. But sometimes we don't always pick God's story. And as we go into the new year, let's evaluate our hearts. It's, it's a heart thing that's going on right now. It really is. It is about our hearts. God, help us to guard our hearts because from it flows the stuff that we do. So Lord, keep our hearts tender. Realign us to the story of God this morning. Help us to live into that story. And we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are faithful, oh God, even when we're not. Lord, I just I speak hope over our family here, over our church family. I speak peace over our church family the peace that you bring in the midst of the mess, hope that you bring for the future. Lord, I'm just even thinking on the the hope, peace, Lord, just how much in the Scriptures, I was even just going through the Psalms the other day, just your unfailing love, how much hope is connected to knowing that we're loved. Just speak it over the church right now. Yeah. Yes. Just communicate, Lord, your love so that hope would rise and faith rising out of that hope in the name of Jesus. Let it rise, Lord. Let it rise. Yeah. Lord, bring joy for the discouraged, hope for the discouraged, and joy for the depressed in spirit. Lord, would you give us just all the things that you promised there in Isaiah 61. Beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Dancing for that crushed spirit. Here, Lord, as we just rounding out Advent at the end of the year here. Oh, faithful God, thank You that You have not left us, but You've come in mercy to us just as You spoke through Zechariah. You've been faithful to Your promise to Abraham faithful to your promise to Israel, faithful to your promise to David. And Lord, let sun 
Just let the sun of righteousness rise and just hope and healing just shine into our lives through the rays of the risen sun, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. And I just I speak grace right now for when we're going through these hard things that we are part of a great story, the story of God. And he's done it. He's loved us into existence. And he's come for us when we were enemies. And he's got us. He's got you. And we need to hear that. On that day when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll know that I'm in my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. So Lord, work it out in us. Empower us. Fill us today. This fourth Sunday of Advent, we remember that this story is about the redeeming and the rescuing and the renewal of us and the entire world. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and all the church says, amen. May the Lord bless you. May you walk in his life and joy and hope and peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go in peace, y'all. Love y'all.